0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back. A new week here for Raise the Apple. We got a brand new episode today. A lot of t- to talk about today with the Mets. We have a little bit of Mets drama, a little bit of an injury scare, but hopefully it won't be too much uh, to come from that. And then we got a little bit of Major League Baseball to wrap up the show today. So let's dive right into it. First of all, the injury scare uh, on Mother's Day on Sunday, Jacob DeGrom got the start, pitched five great innings, and then at the start of the six, he's out there warming up, and something wasn't right. Called the, the trainer staff and Luis Rojas out. They decided to take him out of the game, at which point all of every single Mets fan's hearts dropped into their stomach. Thankfully, they came back. MRIs were negative. It is only right side tightness. Thankfully, it wasn't an elbow or a shoulder problem or anything like that. No injury is good by any means, but it could have been a lot worse. They, it, there's a possibility it was related when they skipped his start last time to the right side inflammation. They think that tightness is still there. So they're putting him on the 10-day IL as a safety precaution. Good move, as they should. Today, a corresponding move will be made at some point today. It hasn't been made yet. But it's okay. Thankfully, it wasn't anything much more serious. Mets have to play DeGrom with kid gloves because like I've said before, if the Mets are going to go anywhere this year, they need DeGrom. They're not going anywhere without DeGrom. But thankfully, it's a lot less than what we thought. The Mets are now on a five-game win streak. They're starting to pick it up and catch fire. They, have, they are back in first place in the NL East. They opened a two-game set with the Orioles tonight today. Tonight it's Marcus Stroman against John Means Who's coming off a no-hitter In his last start And then tomorrow is the moment we've all been waiting for Well, at least some of us have been waiting for Taiwan Walker will get the start for the Mets And he will face off against Matt Harvey It'll be Matt Harvey's first time back at Citi Field Since he left the Mets back in 2018 And Harvey's been great this year He's got an ERA about 3.5 for the Orioles He's been great So that'll certainly be a lot of fun to watch that happen and also kind of related to the Mets but more so with Major League Baseball Jared Kelnick is getting called up by the Mariners a top prospect for the Mariners Rosie who don't know who Jared Kelnick is he was the top prospect the Mets gave away in the trade that brought the Mets Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano Jared Kelnick was one of the prospects that went back to Seattle that a lot of fans were very upset that the Mets gave him up but at the time, Diaz was coming off a of 60-save season, and Cano was kind of just, he's just there. So it's panned out pretty well for the Mets so far. I mean, Diaz has had his hiccups, but Jared Kelnick, we'll see what he has. I'm super excited from a baseball fan point to see what he brings to the Mariners. The AL West, as far as I'm concerned, we'll talk. Well, maybe we'll talk about this more at the end, ALS is wide open. But the big story was Friday night, at City Field. Boy, oh boy, did things get wild. So first of all, the Mets sweep the Diamondbacks to win their fifth straight. Game one, there was a little incident going on in between innings. So in between innings, uh, they showed, the SNY replay showed the clip. Dom and... Conforto you know they like give a high five or whatever at the end of the inning they're going in the dugout then they stop and then they stop for a second and they're staring down into the tunnel of the Mets dugout then they both run down to the dugout followed by Jonathan VR. he was closely behind and then everyone else or all the other coaches or players that took notice waited at the top of the tunnel just peeked down there see what was going on but Conforto Dom and VR ran down in the tunnel no one knows what happened in the tunnel But what we do know is this. So earlier, uh, maybe it was the inning beforehand or two innings beforehand, McNeil and Lindor kind of, not literally collided, but they got tangled up a little bit. A ball was hit over to Lindor. In my opinion, it was clearly Lindor's ball. McNeil ran a little too far. And then when McNeil gets over there, he ducks down so Lindor can make the throw. Lindor couldn't make the throw in time to get the out. A little miscommunication, a little overplay by McNeil, and I think he'd be the first to admit it. And then after that tunnel incident, you see Lindor and McNeil both on the field with puppy dog faces. They both look very, not ticked off, but like, kind of like a, oh crap, kind of look on their face. And before that, before we notice them on the field, Lindor hit is start, who, By the way is starting to bust out of His slump don't let Francisco Lindor get Hot because this Mets team is dangerous If Lindor can get it going Lindor hits a game tying Home run two run homer in the seventh He's pounding his fist getting all excited Screaming at himself as he's rounding first Then he gets into the dugout and you See him and when he hit a home run like that And knowing Francisco Lindor his nickname's Mr. Smile and when he's in the dugout Like that He doesn't have a smile on his face he's got He's got a stone-cold face just sitting there. And then him and McNeil go back on the field, and they both look like they saw a ghost. Their faces, everything's just drained out of their face. So, which led to the speculation that, again, this is all speculation. We don't know what happened in the tunnel. It led to the speculation that McNeil and Lindor... Lindor may have taken McNeil down into the tunnel, and they talked about that play where they kind of intertwined a little bit and McNeil went a little too far into Lindor's territory. And the thought was it got a little heated, and that's why they ran down Pete and Dom and VR went down into the tunnel, was to separate them before it got physical. So the thing, it, the, what people are saying is that it was a heated discussion no punches or anything were thrown, but you know, they separated it before that could happen. I doubt that would ever happen. But then for then that all happens, and then everybody's speculating what's going on. And then in the bottom of the ninth, we got a tie game. Bases loaded. Patrick Mazika, who half of Mets fans have never heard of before, comes in, his second major league at bat, his first at Citi Field. Hits a little dinker in front of the plate that scores Pete to win the game. The shovel from... I forget who was pitching for Arizona. The shovel pa- the sh- little shovel pass with his glove to home wasn't in time. Pete scores. Mets walk off winner. Mazika gets his jersey ripped off. Mazika New York icon for the rest of his career. Even if he does nothing for the rest of his career, he just made his mark with that. So then that happens. And then it on a crazy night already for the Mets... With the tunnel incident, and then the puppy dog faces, and then Lindor not being smiling and happy after that game-tying homer. You get Mazzica's walk-off, and then you get to the post-game press conference. Which everyone was waiting for because everybody wanted to know what happened in the tunnel. Then, (laughs) this is where it gets wild. Lindor goes up there and says he thought he saw a rat in the tunnel. And he got all excited because he'd never seen a New York rat before. He called McNeil down. McNeil said it was a raccoon. And they got into it be, saying, asking if it was a rat or raccoon. And then you have McNeil coming in with a straight face saying, you know, I thought it was a possum too. It could have been a possum too. Then you got Mets players tweeting, I thought it was a rat. I thought it was a raccoon. The Mets... Twitter account tweeted a poll with the rat emoji and a raccoon emoji and fans voted on it. It was a wild story that no one was buying and it was amazing that that was happening because Luis Rojas comes in and says I don't know what happened I heard something of a rat raccoon I'm glad it's resolved then Zach Scott the Mets GM comes in and says Uh, We obviously know that that wasn't the case, but we're glad that it was resolved. He said he would have handled it differently, but he's glad it's handled and out of the way. That is This is, in my entire life, I've been a Mets fan my whole life, pretty much. And this is probably the wildest thing I've ever seen happen with the New York Mets. This has to be a top five, one of the craziest things. I've ever seen happen with the Mets. And I asked my brother, I said, what, are this, what is the actual probability that Lindor is telling the truth and it was a legit a raccoon versus rat argument? Which is slim to none, but there's always a possibility that that was the case. But with all that background, all that story, long story short, they did, they had, they verbally or whatever got into it, got, things got a little heated They've made up, they're good now, they're trying to move on from it, they told the Rat Raccoon story so that way it wouldn't become a bigger deal than it needed to be, which hats off to McNeil and the Mets and Lindor for doing it that way, because a lot of people were upset and saying, just tell us the full story. They don't owe us anything. They don't have to tell us every single detail that goes on, and for this incident, it's probably best that we don't know the full story. We all are under the assumption that they got into it a little bit, egos collided, they got into it a little bit, but they're good now. They don't owe us anything. They don't owe us any explanation of what happened. What they gave us, I thought, was funny. I thought it brought some light to this to a prop, potentially disastrous situation for the Mets from a PR standpoint, but it got the Mets fired up. It got them going. McNeil, the next night, hit a uh, two-run homer, and then he crossed his home plate, and you see Lindor screaming F yeah, getting all happy and excited for McNeil. So obviously those two are good now. The thing is, I can I can't speak from being in a baseball clubhouse, but I can speak from being an athlete for much of my life. When you're in a locker room, no matter what the sport is, those guys in there are your bros. You would do anything for every single one of those guys in that in that locker room again no matter what sport it is there's just a special bond in the locker room among sports teams and when you have you know everybody fighting for the same goal everybody's coming from different backgrounds everybody's got different attitudes about how they go about their th- how how they go about themselves sometimes egos are going to collide you know, when both, when you have Lindor and McNeil, who at the time were both struggling offensively, you know, obviously they're frustrated with the way they're playing, they're frustrated with the way things are going. Sometimes their emotions and their egos will get the best of them. You know, it happens to everyone. You know, it no one's, it's happened to me before, I, know, I can say that for a fact, it's happened to every athlete before, sometimes their emotions get the best of them. And it happens, it's okay. It happens to all of us, it's what makes us human. So that happened when sometimes there's going to be disagreements. Sometimes there's going to be fights. It's what comes from those fights that tells a lot. And obviously, a lot of good has come from this situation because Lindor has picked it up a lot the past couple days. McNeil's getting going a little bit. The Mets have won five straight and are back in first place. They seem to have a nice. They have this. Seem to have brought a fire under them. And that's what they needed. They needed a little little spark, a little fire to get to set them off. And that's what I think this little incident caused them. Whatever happened in there, we may never actually find out. I hope we never don't, because that'll just be a disaster. But Pete or not Pete. McNeil and Lindor have made up. They're good now. They're moving past it as they should. They're not letting it become a distracting distraction as it should. Or it should as it should be that way. Uh, You had Zach Scott the next day saying that he personally would have handled it differently, but he's glad it's handled, so he's not going to say much more on it. Uh, You had the Mets doing uh, an on-field promotion, maybe milking it a little too much, with the rat or raccoon, and they'd ask fans trivia questions if it applied to a rat or a raccoon. And then the next day, they were talking about it. McNeil said him and Lindor have a great relationship. They're trying to learn from each other. Or, McNeil's learned a lot from Lindor. And then you have Lindor saying that they're good. He said, I'll bring him out here and kiss him if you want me to. So, obviously, they're good. You know, they're probably annoyed with the media trying to pry and get what actually happened. But Lindor and McNeil obviously want to move past that, which is understandable. And I'm totally for that. As long as they're good now. And I think they... I believe they are good. I think they want to move on from it. But the media, especially New York media... Being the way it is, they're going to pry and pry until they get exactly what happened, but they're just not going to get it. Nor should they. But that was a huge story. That was wild. Again, like I just said before, that was one of the most bizarre Mets things I've ever heard of in my life. But I'm glad it's all, the dust has settled. Things have, or everything's good now, and we can move on from it. It seemed to have put a little spark in this team, and hopefully they could continue that with the Orioles today. Arguably the Mets will be going against arguably the Orioles two best pitchers with definitely John Means and then Matt Harvey. But the Mets are also sending their two three guns with Strowman and Taiwan Walker. And speaking of pitching, we have a Mets injury or not inj- Well, yes, injury update. So right now, Cookie, Carlos Carrasco has been placed been moved to the 60-day IL. So the only thing that changes is they want to get him a little bit more rehab. He and Lugo are expected to come back at the end of May, and Thor is expected to be come back at the beginning of June. So they're all on schedule to return, as expected. Carrasco got pushed back a bit, but they they're, they they want to make sure Carrasco's good for the long for the whole season, so we don't have they don't have a setback with him, which is smart. Uh, so obviously that's all good. No, no, uh, po- what's the word? No, no postponements or anything like that. Everyone's on schedule to come back when they're supposed to. Uh, that's pretty much everything going on in Metland. Uh, it was a wild weekend, to say the least. It was a wild weekend. That's why we love the Mets, isn't it, though? That's why we love them. But for the rest of Major League Baseball, two things. First of all, Wade Miley threw the fourth no-hitter of the year, his first... Career no-hitter for this, and he is of the Cincinnati Reds. It is the first Reds no-hitter since uh, Homer Bailey's second no-hitter, which was back in 2013. Wade Miley was is kind of flown under the radar in his career, in his time with Milwaukee and with Houston. He's kind of flown under the radar. He's been an innings eater. He's been quietly very, very good for the past couple years, and not many people are talking about it. I think Miley has been a great addition to that Reds rotation. I think he's a nice number three behind Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. But the fourth no-hitter of the year, this is the quickest. I read this stat. This is the fastest we've had four no-hitters in a season in 100 years. That blew my mind that that that's, that, that's possible. The pitch, The offense not just the Mets offense, offense across major league baseball has been so lackluster this year. But I assume when the summer comes, weather heats up, the ball will be flying a little bit more. But you know, it's 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 kind of something it's the opposite of what we've thought. We've been thinking that it's going to be such an offensive driven sport because of home runs and taking over the game and the juice balls and all that stuff but the pitching this year has just been so good and the offense has just been so poor and it just makes you wonder what's going on with all that for how many no hitters will we end up with Sean Maniah that same day almost also had a no hitter he carried a perfect game into the sixth, a no hitter into the seventh we've had a couple other guys carry no hitters into the sixth inning or later this year so we could have had easily maybe 8 no-hitters already this year and almost 2 perfect games it's maybe scratching some people's heads a little bit but nonetheless congrats to Wade Miley still awesome to watch no matter what a no-hitter a perfect game still awesome to watch and then the last little bit of news for today a huge bombshell on Thursday afternoon-ish the Los Angeles Angels have released Albert Pujols, and this was abs- not out of nowhere, but a huge surprise to a lot of people. Albert Pujols will go down as one of the greatest players ever in baseball. Definitely one of. Definitely, uh, fell off a little bit in his career when he went to the Angels, but his time in Arizona or not Arizona. Wow, his time in St. Louis. He was one of, if not the best players in baseball during that time. Unbelievable. He will be a first battle hall of famer. He's in the final year of his 10 year mega deal with the angels, which is why I was surprised they let him go is because it was the last year of his deal. I figured they wouldn't or I figured they would have let the year play out and he wouldn't, he wouldn't have resigned in LA, but he hasn't been producing. So that's why they decided to move on. Uh, but someone, I would think someone's going to take a flyer on Pujols, maybe sign him to a minor league deal. Albert Pujols, in my opinion, deserves to go out so much better in his career than being released. He deserves to retire with a team. Uh, in my opinion, I wouldn't mind if the Cardinals maybe signed him to a minor league deal and then uh, bring him up maybe whenever throughout the year. That the year? And then... Um, uh, maybe in September, bring him up, give him a proper send off. He hasn't said anything about retirement, but he deserves a proper send off. I hope it's with the Cardinals. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the White Sox being a possibility because he played for Tony Larusa in St. Louis for a long time. I don't see that happening. That may be a possibility considering the big injuries with Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. 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 Still not sure which one it is. I probably should know that by now, but. Either way, I think Albert Pujols, a team is should take a flyer on Pools. He deserves a much better exit than he may be getting. He doesn't deserve to be released and then be, retire like that. I hope at the very least, I would like the Cardinals to sign Cardinals because that's where he's been his pretty much his whole career, made a name for himself, and established himself as one of the all time greats. Maybe sign a one day contract so he can retire as a Cardinal. Give him a proper, the proper send-off that he deserves. But that's going to wrap it up pretty much. We had the Lindor McNeil potential scuffle. Was it a rat or was it a raccoon? Uh, then we have the Jagam injury update. Nothing serious, which is good. Uh, very, very good that it's nothing major, nothing in the elbow or shoulder. Wade Miley has the fourth no-hitter of the year, and then the Angels have released Albert Pujols. The Mets are back in action tonight against the Orioles, which uh, Strowman versus John Means tonight. Tywon Walker vs. Matt Harvey tomorrow. Matt Harvey making his return to Citi Field. And now it is time for today in baseball history. Back in 2016, today, today, today in baseball history, back in 2016, Max Scherzer tied the Major League mark when he struck out 20 batters in a 9-inning game, joining Roger Clemens, who did it twice, Kerry Underwood and Randy Johnson back in two thousand one. I forgot to mention Randy Johnson when we talked when it was the anniversary of Kerry Wood's twenty strikeout game. Uh, I knew I mentioned I mentioned Max Scherzer doing it. I just forgot what year it was. It was a lot longer ago than I thought it was. I thought it was twenty eighteen that happened, but it was twenty sixteen. So that's my bad. But that's a nice little throwback. Max Scherzer, who's also been, who's one been one of the like V guys in this this generation of pitching. When we look back, when, like 30 years from now, when we're telling our kids or grandkids about this generation of pitching, Scherzer's one of those guys we're going to tell our kids about. You know, We're going to tell them about the DeGroms, the Scherzers, the Verlanders, the Grankees, uh, the Kershaws, all those kind of guys. Those are the guys that we're going to be telling future generations about. So that's a nice little throwback. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Make sure you like, comment, share it down that. Like, comment, share, subscribe down below if you're listening on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and like and leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Hopefully the Mets can get a, keep the winning streak going, get a nice little two-game sweep of the Orioles. We'll talk about Matt Harvey's return to Citi Field on Thursday. And hopefully... Uh, the Degrom injury doesn't, at a later date, become something much bigger than we anticipated. That's all for today's episode of Raise the App. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you guys on Thursday. Let's go, Mets! Bang bang, bang, bang. bang, bang. Stop bang, bang won't stop till we're legends.